0: Hey, how you doing listeners? Adam Buxton here. Rose, come and say hello to the podcats. Hello soft dog, how are you? I'm fine thanks, bit wet. Yeah I know, I thought it was the spring. I I said summer actually last week, didn't I? I was maybe getting way ahead of myself, but at least the spring I thought. Wrong! Plunged back into the cold and wet age this week. Never mind, because there's sunshine coming your way, listeners, in the form of my guest this week on podcast episode number 74, the great Bob Mortimer. So let's get right into it. Here's some Bob facts for you. Robert Renwick Mortimer, currently aged 58, is from Acklam, a small village in the north riding of Yorkshire, England. Bob worked as a solicitor before taking up comedy and is now five foot seven, the same height as me. These are good Bob facts. You're welcome. Bob met his comedy partner, Jim Moyer, better known by his stage name, Vic Reeves, having moved to London in the late 1980s. We discussed this in our conversation. Their first TV show, Vic Reeves' Big Night Out made for Channel 4 by Jonathan Ross's production company, Channel X, in 1990, immediately acquired an army of loyal enthusiasts, delighted by Vic and Bob's joyfully energetic and absurd series of characters, silly voices, homemade props, and other elements that often seemed to fuse the everyday with avant-garde performance art. These notes are great, Buckles. Thanks very much. Their massively successful game show Shooting Stars, for example, introduced mainstream audiences to the phrases and nonsense words that Jim Moyer first encountered in the poems of Dadaist founder Hugo Ball. For over 30 years, Vic and Bob have stuck doggedly to what makes them laugh, whether mainstream audiences get it or not, with shows like The Smell of Reeves and Mortimer, Bang Bang, It's Reeves and Mortimer, Caterick and House of Fools, as well as occasional reboots of previous formats. When I spoke to Bob in March of this year, 2018, he and Jim had been writing for a new series of Big Night Out, due to air on the BBC later this year. I think they're just about to start filming. But before that goes out, in June, Bob can be seen in Mortimer and Whitehouse Gone Fishing, in which comedian Paul Whitehouse, himself a keen angler, teaches Bob to fish. I spoke to Bob a little bit about that show. As you'll hear, it came about because Paul, an old friend of Bob's, wanted to cheer him up in the wake of emergency heart surgery that Bob had in late 2015, an event that was in many ways, unsurprisingly, I guess, quite a watershed for Bob. When not working with Jim or fishing with Paul, Bob enjoys watching football. He's an avid supporter of Middlesbrough FC and is currently the co-host, along with comedy writer Andy Dawson, of the brilliantly funny, vaguely football-themed podcast, Atletico Mintz. A typical episode features short chunks of chat, chat chunks, between Andy and Bob, interspersed with various bizarre impressions of football people I have never heard of, half-improvised sketches and songs designed to offend the people of Sunderland in the uh, northeast of England. It is, fans will agree, some of the funniest stuff that Bob has ever done. My conversation with Bob took place in the London office of his agent, who also happens to be my agent, fun fact, and for a while we had to battle with some quite loud talkers in the corridor outside, doing agent business. I was a bit too weedy to um, poke my head out and ask them to be quiet, but that calmed down after a little while, and we rambled enjoyably about getting older, the TV shows that Bob enjoys, music. Petty crime, and now and then we look back over a few Vic and Bob moments from the last 30 years. It was a fun conversation that often revealed a softer and maybe more straightforward side than TV audiences perhaps might expect from Bob. I'll be back with a bit more news and hot waffle at the end of the podcast, but right now, here we go.
2: the oldest person you've ever interviewed
0: no I uh, interviewed Michael Palin right so he's a bit older what do you think of old people what do I think of old people I like nice ones because they fill me with hope and they make me look forward to getting even older yeah and I
2: worry about really twatish ones do they worry you more than a middle-aged twatish one
0: yes because really? I because I I want to believe that once you Get to a ripe old age. I'm talking yeah. seventy plus. Okay, that's ripe. That's ripe. And I mean, we can all hope that we're going to get that far, right? That's reasonable. So I'd take that. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope that if I get to that point, that I would be somewhat enlightened. Yeah. You know, a bit wiser, a bit happier with my lot in some ways.
2: Are you thinking? It's like you're hinting that you might become wise.
0: Because well, I it, don't
2: know whether that happens.
0: <laughs> when you put it like that.
2: <laughs> I think that the older people say as much bollocks yeah. as the middle-aged person, but, you know, <laughs> societally, we give them a bit more. Yeah, We might listen because it's more polite to listen. You don't
0: know? you think, though, that you might be a, a, just a, a little bit more balanced about things, take things in your stride, be a bit kinder, softer, able to appreciate things more?
2: That's what you'd hope. Yeah, it's a weird, because I do think you have quite a lot of things to say, a lot of really important things. You, he, Here's one, for example, it's took me so long to realise it, and then I have clarity. I think I got my clarity when I listened to a podcast of yours recently, and you just mentioned you went to art college. And I suddenly realised everyone should go to art college. It's true, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Everyone should, but... You know, i probably if you'd asked me ten or fifteen years ago, I'd have said, Well, that's a waste of time.
0: But why you do know? you think so? Why do you agree with that point? Well, of view? because
2: I've made that judgment, I think, slightly empirically really, because all the people that have been important in my life and are important now, nearly to a man or woman went to art college. Jim did? Jim did. Wife did. My, all my friends that, you know and i suddenly think yeah i really like you people i really like you you're a type yeah <laughs> you've got something i'm just saying it might be true i but think so
0: i think you know yeah a little like instead of national service you know you you do uh year at art school year waiting <laughs> tables um, Yeah, maybe you know things like that
2: would you put in like gymnasium work
0: that would be. I had a big argument with my wife the other day because she felt that I wasn't being sufficiently enthusiastic about my son's sporting enthusiasms. Right. Because that whole world was alien to me because I always felt excluded because I was no good at it. Always picked last for football teams and me and Joe ended up bonding over feeling excluded from that world. Were you
2: at school with Joe? Yeah.
0: Right so we gradually grew apart from the sporting world and in the 90s when it was all Badil and Skinner and all that we kind of
2: identified
0: ourselves in opposition
2: to that Really, we didn't relate to it at all so sports played a very important part in defining you then in that kind of negative way. yeah
0: but now I'm changing my mind because I see my sons being so good at it and getting so much from it and loving football and being good at football Mm. and I feel bad
2: that I can't do football bants with my son. Do you you bark out wrong instructions? Like, do an attack circle
0: (laughs) when (laughs) he's got the ball? I don't bark anything. I'm standing on the side. I'm too shy to... to All the other parents are all... Go on! Get in there! Yes! Smash him in the face! Punch him down! That's right! Kick it in the goal! Kick it right in the centre of the goal! And I'm too shy. Yeah. You know, I do wish that I was more part of that world. I can see the... Camaraderie mm. and listening to Atletico Mints. Even the bits I know you were saying before when before we started recording that you couldn't take seriously the idea of having
2: serious football chats, and that's why you started going off on these little weird tangents. Yeah, Atletico Mints would have had to have stopped as i said. I've, when I found myself giving an, an opinion about a footballer. I realised that ain't me. I don't think either me or Andy are interested in the stats. Okay. or the form tables yeah. or who is the ultimate victor in this incredible race <laughs> it's much more about where you get your pie beforehand which character is spitting on you from behind that particular day as he screams and the pocket meats that you take you know? What, Army? Yeah, pocket meats, you know, like a black pudding he might take if it's if you're playing a team <laughs> a certain teams. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, the little snack, you know. Yeah. I think we've all known it for a long time. I suppose Badil and Skinner started picking away at that side of football a, a long time back. But, yeah, I've kind of spent, what, like 50 years making sure I have no opinions. And then I signed up for... <laughs> This, I'd like to do a football opinion show. So, yeah, we had to change that quite quickly. How do you mean making sure you had no opinions? And, um, What's wrong with opinions? That's a rhetorical question. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think... They're not for me, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. um, like when I was young, I much more like, enjoyed the currency of, like, laughter. I suppose I'm, I'm a bit guilty of the currency of gossip as well, although I think that's a terrible thing. But I have got a weakness for a bit of gossip, but never liked opinions. I suppose in a real, like, selfish way, they bore me, you know? And now that's the currency of modern discourse. It seems to be, yes. I don't know whether... I mean, I don't really like the word, but, like, is it part of this kind of virtue-signalling thing that you present... You're packaged that way. Yeah. That, that How do I present myself to the world as a right. person? Well, I need a set of opinions. This is what I stand for. Accept yeah. me. I'm part of your club. It's one of those things you more you notice because you're older. There's nothing wrong with opinions, but it wasn't for me. But you don't notice till you're older that, oh, I haven't been that sort of... You know, and sometimes you reflect as you get older, oh, I wish I'd bothered to be that sort of person mm-hmm. or explore that. I read a little bit about you, and it
0: said somewhere that you got into politics at university, Sussex and Leicester
2: University. At Sussex, yeah. <laughs> Were you a political firebrand in those days? I was a libertarian anarchist. Yeah. Is that a thing? Like, there was a, there was posters up, the Libertarian Anarchist Society. Well, what's anarchism? It's just... Whatever you want, isn't it? Is it? Isn't it doing whatever you want? It's, it's no mind. government...
0: I don't know. The no rules. I'm just making this up. Yeah. I mean I imagine that it's no government and organi- you know, the people organise themselves and figure it out. But, and the
2: libertarian side of that would They be. don't even bother to get organised. Yeah, so, they, so it was a perfect yeah. movement in some ways. Yeah. All I remember from it is is that occupying a building that obviously had some administrative function, photocopiers, you know, desks and that sort of thing. And disrupting exams by banging on banging, I think I had a dustbin lid actually. That's uh, but that was done for the fun, I suppose, and the girls, you know. Yeah, anarchist girls. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yes, yeah, so I think it would be wrong to say that um, I was a political firebrand, right? But but you did start a band. I was in a band when I was sixteen. Yeah. With my mates, Fat Harry, Cags, and um, we were called Dog Dirt, <laughs> and we did um, punk songs and covers, <laughs> and we were all right. <laughs> very fond memories. You know, that's you know that's uh, for for my era. Dog Dirt. It like a, you should. That is a good name. You you, you yeah. jump over becks and streams till you're twelve or something, and make do that sort of palaver, play football and stuff. And then somewhere around that 15, you go start a band, haven't you, or something? Yeah. I don't know what the other expressions are, but there's another thing kicks in, isn't there, where you want to. Make an indie movie. Make, maybe that, yeah. Yes, there'll be a lot of it going on on YouTube, won't they? Yeah, people I think. People at that's, 14, 15. Yeah, I think a lot more people now
0: do that sort of thing than start bands. Bowie always used to say that the thing he was interested in was just. Connecting somehow and, and, and being a kind of a trendy person, he once said. Yeah. And music just happened to be the way to do it in those yeah. days. That was the way everyone got famous, the yeah. people he respected. So that's what he did.
2: It's interesting. It's an interesting idea about if there's some people that are so, so great that it is just the time they're in that decides what avenue they take. Yeah, yeah. It makes it, you know, uh, Damien Hurst the artist... Yeah. He's the funniest man. I'm good. I'll say in Europe. I'm uh-huh. not going to go say the world. I'll say in Europe. But he did the painting thing, but I'm convinced he could have gone down that line, or movies, or whatever. Some people are just the bee's knees, aren't they? And then there's the likes of you and me, Adam, wondering <laughs> what our legacy would be. <laughs> Part, I mean, there's so many things
0: that have made my life better and I'm sure many other people's that you've done and there's so many things that were a really formative part of what I thought was like this is great this is funny and thereafter everything would have to kind of conform to that is it as funny as the Stott's when you were there was a thing you did in Big Night Out I think where I mean, you just started to crack up. You would laugh a lot,
2: right? When we used to do the stunts, we never used to tell each other what we were going to say. Uh huh. Because we were just lying to each other. I remember one of them, Jim, announced. Hey, so- I look back fondly because if you ever bothered to, if you ever came across it, you'll see, I wet myself, and you'll see my yellow trousers. You'll you see actually the, wet you'll yourself? You'll see it there going down my leg. <laughs> so, like, maybe we've got away with it, but we, we're quite proud of it because it's it's, a lot of it is about attitude, you know, about the, the essence of it. It doesn't stand up to much rigorous, like, writing committee examination do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so if we've got anything it's kind of that spirit could call it indulgence it's up to you you know (laughs) yeah you it's tricky
0: isn't it when comedians laugh at what they're doing it can easily come off looking self-satisfied
2: for sure yeah
0: but it never seemed that way with with you guys at all it always felt like we were being
2: included Hmm. in a fun time you know yeah, it's, I mean, what do you do? If that's what you do, Yeah, that's how we do it. What do and do it was with? good
0: that, I mean, that seemed to be, that dynamic is still very much there. That was there in the in the special that you did. Was it just the one-off that you did last yeah, year? Yeah, it's
2: a series in, uh, we're filming it in a few weeks' time. Oh, that's great. A series of it. But that was just a one-off, you know, to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, see and it was good though, right? If, I mean, I hope so. I really liked it. I hope it. so. Plus, it, it's good the way that you keep the things that everybody likes, some of them. Yeah. But you're always introducing new bits and pieces. And there was that sketch, the kind of first dates sketch.
2: Yeah. That was amazing. That's one of those, like, compromise things you do in the sort of, like, in the system that is, gets something on telly, you know. If we did a spoof thing, people would know where they are, mm-hmm. you know, know what they're watching. And so it's just like, Shooting Stars was, I think, was our probably most viewed show. It actually was one of the, the, the daftest, most nonsensical things we did, but I think the public were quite comfortable because they could see someone from EastEnders, you know, the people they knew, and it just gave them that, oh, I understand where I am. Like, when, it, when you used to watch Parkinson when I was young, you had no idea what Star X was like. I don't know what they're like, I don't know how they speak. And so it was fascinating just to see them. But 20, 30 years on, you know, we You've seen them, you know. Like you want a little window into what are they really like, Mm -hmm. and you've got little glimpses in shooting stars because we were. It was quite tricky. It was difficult for the guests; they were quite exposed. And occasionally, it was lovely because you'd see, you'd really see a little insight into. He's good fun. That you know, he's all right. Or whoa, that person's a bit prickly. Yeah. But and and the first dates thing was a little bit like that. If we do a a spoof of a TV show, people will rest comfortably with it.
0: There was the spoof of MasterChef as well, of course, that was, uh, yeah, that's still
2: one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, with the big head.
0: The head, and it's, I mean, that's, the thing that you do so well is the kind of combining something that's really like an art film and then just Making it quite stupid, introducing comedy elements to it—farts or whatever it might be. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is an
2: interesting one that that sketch because it is—it's a little, lovely little tableau, isn't it? Mm. But that's Jimmy's art school, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's an artist. So, and the
0: good thing about Shooting Stars was that it it seemed to fuse those two. Like everybody liked that show. You know, it was all the sport guys, all the lads that watched fantasy football. Yeah. They were into it, but then it was all the sort of art school softies like me and. My pals who liked it as well because it yeah, seemed to be sort of taking the piss out of that world in some way. That laddie panel show nineties mm. thing. It had everything.
2: It was good fun. Yeah, and that will be part of that legacy. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether it's important. There's kind of that debate, you know. With, it in, I think you get it. Comedians worry a lot about this, just this kind of thing, don't they? Like, yeah. is it more important to get? £40 million and and 10 million viewers or is it more important you know how it's received
0: I think isn't it definitely more important that it's fun and it doesn't matter if no one watches it
2: I I, I have to believe that because we're not massively watched
0: (laughs) (laughs) and isn't that scenario infinitely preferable to having a huge huge hit and then all the shit that comes along with that and being locked into that
2: yeah I reckon I wouldn't have said that a while back I think that when you first started out you know like you see these famous people and you're in your agent's office sort of like we are now Say, wow him and him that's what I want to be I want to have that but again going back to this age thing because we've been around so long now and it is getting a long time I've been able to actually really see exactly what that sort of fame does do to people so it eases the pain of never having been there, you know what I mean?
0: What did you imagine that world would
2: be like? Fast cars, the very freshest cabbages. Do you know, like, all that stuff. Well, there's still time. No, I've lost all those desires. Have you? Yeah. I mean, that's nice, isn't it, to cast off that? I I feel as if I have. (laughs) Is there still things you want?
0: Not really. I just want to get on with people. Yeah. That's admirable.
2: (laughs) What kind of TV do you watch? I um, watch TV for hours every day. Yeah. And depending on the time of the day, in the afternoon, I like to shut the blinds and so on and watch foreign movies mm-hmm. spanish argentinian at the moment that you will put on or that you'll find on sky some, i'll on find that. them i'll search for best argentinian movies of 2015 or yeah. whatever and then as it gets into the evening i like you know i sometimes annoys me out the way with telly like i mean so many people in tv the the, the bosses of tv Oh, I don't think like telly. I don't watch much telly. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll watch the things they're meant to watch, The Handmaiden's Tale or whatever, mm-hmm. or The Blue Planet. But I watch things like um, Teen Mom. Mm-hmm. I'm on series 19 of Teen Mom, so I think it's a fabulous show. I watch, like, Sinister Ministers, Deadly Women. Is that a real show? Yeah, on the Discovery and Investigation. I really like telly. Yeah. Naked and Afraid is very good.
0: Right, I've never That's seen Naked and show. Afraid. So
2: describe that for people who haven't seen it. Naked and Afraid is just where they drop a woman. Is it always a woman? A woman, a, a woman and a man. A woman and a man. A woman and a man in the middle of it's like the equatorial rainforest. And they have to get from point A to point C to be rescued. But they're starkers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite extraordinary to see the difference that that makes. The pain that that causes to their skin their yeah. feet everything it's like serious survivalist it's like you can really sense there ain't no crew just just behind the bush with a toilet for them so yeah i watch an awful lot of telly i could i could reel off more telly shows adam but are you i mean do you does your heart sink when people talk
0: about things in the past no. the olden days no, no okay how about this then would you be able to do quick fire memories reactions reactions whatever, if nothing occurs, you don't need to say anything, to a list of some of your credits. Yeah, go on. All right. So 1990,
2: big night out. Yeah, well, that was the start of everything. That was tomfoolery. That was um, a solicitor, a awfully a bad solicitor, out of his depth, having this little thing on Thursday nights where he could be what he wanted to be. <laughs> not that solicitor in his suit in an office, that I'll never understand it, that something like just 12 weeks later was commissioned to be on the television. Was it really? Me and Jim can never quite remember. We think we'd done about 12 shows.
0: And you had met Jim, you'd been an audience member.
2: Yeah, yeah. And he just got you up on stage. It's like I came came home one... I was living in a homeless hostel at the time. Nice room, triple... Floor to ceiling windows. Yeah. Very capacious. Yeah. And your own sink in the corner. Nice. And I came home one night and my girlfriend was in Fragranto. Uh huh. <laughs> is that something like that? In Flagrante. It? Isn't
0: it in Flagrante? That's with someone. Well, that's okay.
2: Okay. It was with someone in a special way. Yeah. Is that where she was? Yeah. Oh. And it, it, the only reason it ties in is because, funny how they co- you know things work out, is that the only person I knew in London was my girlfriend. So she left. But I told her, said, y- you get out of this homeless yeah. hostel. And I never. Flagrante, went. out you go. Yeah? Yeah. Madame Flagrante. And I didn't know anyone. Unbeknownst to me, someone who I didn't really get on with in school had phoned up my mum and said, do you have Robert's telephone number? I probably wouldn't have I would have said, no, don't give it to him. But she didn't know, gave it to him. So in this period of sort of like being desperately lonely on my own there, there was a knock on the door and it was this lad from my school who said, hi, do you fancy going out to see this thing, Victory's Big Night Out? And I would never have gone out with Kingy to see this thing called Big Night Out. But because of the Mrs. Flagrante, off I went. This was just a room above a pub, Jim on stage, and one table of people, of his friends watching. Seven people. That's all the Big Night Out was. And that was over in,
0: where was it? That was
2: in um, Deptford, New Cross. New Cross. At the Goldsmith's Tavern. Okay. And uh... Was Jim
0: at Goldsmith's?
2: I think he was... Is, is there an art college in Whitechapel? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I went to an art
0: college in Whitechapel.
2: I think that's where Jim went. John Cass, or... Uh, I'm, not, I, anyway. I'm not sure. I yeah, think yeah. it was Whitechapel he went right. to. Because he looks... Like, it's funny, we, we write together every day. Yeah. And then we finish at... Uh, I think it probably says a lot about the two of us, actually. Quite revealing. We finish every day. I go home and watch Teen Mom, Jim Paints. Ah. <laughs> His paintings are very good. Oh, he's always great, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he really is talented. You know, I mean, wow. Yeah. He's just... A, we were, we're just writing at the moment. He's just done three full lengths of Doctor... No, not Dre. Um, Kanye West. Uh-huh. Drake. And who would be the other one? The one who's married to someone really famous. Married to Rihanna or something.
0: Oh, God. Uh, I don't know. I'm a hip-hop ignorance. Um... We can Google it. Do you like Googling things? Yes, do it too much. Uh, Frank Skinner was complaining about it the other day. I went on uh, Room 101 and he was ranting about... No, you shouldn't Google things. You should sit there and wait till you remember.
2: (laughs) Wait till the information comes to you. (laughs) Yeah, even if it's not in there.
0: Um, Rihanna, husband... Uh, Jay Z. No, no, that's Beyonce's husband. Jay- well, that's who I was though. Jay Z. Okay. I don't know who's going out with Rihanna. She used to go out with some unsavoury. Oh, she used to go out with a guy that beat her up, the Chris something or other. Anyway, um,
2: Chris I- Peacock. Yeah, that's uh, always amused me because the local report <laughs> <laughs> when I was young was Chris Peacock. <laughs> thing. Chris Peacock. <laughs>
0: All right, so The Weekenders, 1992. Oh, The
2: Weekenders, we look back at very fondly. We think it right funny. And that was a one-off sitcom? Yeah, that was... um, If we stayed at Channel 4, we could have done The Weekenders as long as we did another big night out. And we didn't want to do another big night out. So we went to the BBC and in doing so, lost the opportunity to do The Weekenders. Ah, Okay. And See what was what The Weekenders I mean, then? The Weekenders was just like a, a, what, I I don't know what it is. Have you ever seen it, Adam? It's no. a strange thing. It's, um, I've read about it.
0: Phil Oakey's in it from the Human League. Yeah,
2: he's at a meat festival selling, <laughs> selling meat, ground beef or whatever. It's just a little road movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a sitcom, really. It's just like... And it, it was going to be like... The idea behind it was is what these two lads got up to every weekend. And episode one was the weekend they went to the Meat Festival.
0: Well, that sort of pointed the way to some of the
2: things you did later on, the more narrative things, the cataracts yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Catarick was originally... Um, we kept... Do you know I think? like uh, you, can, you can't avoid the fact that it would be great to do a movie, wouldn't it? Yeah. Everyone, you just love to do a movie. I don't know why it is. Not so many people watch them. Not so many. You yeah, know, it's weird it's, though, that
0: people... People feel that that's the sort of peak of artistic achievement somehow. I guess it's because it's a self-contained
2: thing. Yeah, this, it's got something, hasn't mm. it? I mean, maybe fading, maybe fading as we speak. Yeah, because,
0: you know, we, you and I, many other people, love the episodic form Yeah, and the Better Call Souls, etc. A
2: lot of that stuff is way better than your average movie. It is very hard to compete with, isn't it? And and so katrick was... Was the, was the first narrative thing we did. But that was actually a movie script that we were going to do with, I think it was film four. Right. But I don't know whether you, you, you've been in the, in the movie, get trying well, to get Joe movie, much more. Yeah, yeah. It's, tr- it's tricky, you know, but we keep plugging away. We've got one in at the moment uh-huh. that nearly got going that we, we hope we'll make, which is about Michael Jackson. He um, left a glove, one of his training gloves, that he'd used when he wasn't on stage. Um, and it's a very valuable item now, and there's a few people trying to trying to get ownership of it. It's just a road movie thing, but we're about to start that. And then um, you know Ben Wheatley. Mm-hmm. Ben Wheatley got offered uh, one of the big Marvel films.
1: Oh right. And
2: so it ain't one for us to say. You ain't doing that, Ben. <laughs> You've got to do it. So then the money fell away, you know. So it's Come tricky. on, Ben Wheatley. But it's, we don't uh, need more
0: punching and kicking. We need <laughs> Michael Jackson's
2: *Glove Road* movie. It's good fun. We had, you know, like it's got Tom Baker in it, mm-hmm. and he's—I can't remember what—he's uh, a falcon, I think. He just hangs around on a bar, so he's got no legs. He's just got his, <laughs> nice, his feet. Yeah, and he's the, called the Falcon, and you know he's very wise, about uh, like Tom Baker is, mm-hmm. and like we think it'd be a lovely thing to see. Yeah, Tom Baker giving you comfort and advice.
0: What about crowdsourcing it?
2: Well, funding it. Which, I don't know. There's just there's the, there's one is your own get up and goness yeah, that decreases exactly, as you get older, exactly. and secondly, your understanding of these yeah. mechanisms is a bit hazy.
0: I know it's a full time job. It really is. It's it's a very labour intensive
2: route to go down. Yeah,
0: I think it's way more fun just to fool around
2: and well i really like what you're doing with the podcast well it's an interesting one i'd be interested to hear what you say in terms of like legacy what you're up to i'd like to make a movie i'm doing this podcast Mm. how does that feel you know
0: well it's weird because in a way it's the most satisfying and direct form of communication slash entertainment Mm. people really appreciate the the connection you make i think Mm. i'm talking about your podcast as well and, you know, so it really lifts people's spirits mm, and becomes a, a regular part of their life instead of just something you'll go to the movies and see once or, yeah. or whatever, and you might enjoy it. But it's a, it's a different, special thing mm. to,
2: to be It's a very special thing. Yeah. I'm sure people tell you, I've not been up your arse, as it were. Oh, it's a very interesting welcome. thing. I go to... <laughs> I go drive up to Middlesbrough every other week to see for the football. It's a mm. long journey. And you're right, there's something, two new Adams books, mm. it? and it's a real tree. It's not incidental. It's not, I'm not putting it on TalkSport. And you do feel a reconnection. But, and I wonder if you, re, you know, really quite important to people. Yeah, but, but we live in a world, I'm, just, I'm only saying this because we're in a world where movie, doo-doo.
0: Exactly. You can hear some other successful podcasters who feel that it's a means to an end. And that they should be doing something else more, quotes proper. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's stand up or making a movie or acting or I don't know what, you know. But I don't, I don't really mind. I don't really. I feel like if I was supposed to be doing that, then
2: I would be. And it would happen. Yeah. I, like I mean, people would take one of these every day, and that you know, on their work. Yeah. Anyway. Hard but, work.
0: Um, shooting stars. We kind of talked about. And House of Fools. Oh. Uh, so, so Matt Berry, you've
2: done a load of stuff with. Well, I love Matt. Um, there's there's one thing me and will are able to do is like you know I said that, that I, when I first time I went to the big night out there was just a table of his mates watching it. Mm. Well, as the big night out grew, one of those people was doing the sound, one of those people was playing Les. I was up there with him. You know, we were doing it with our friends, kind of that art schooly thing. Yeah, that's something we've taken forward. You know, and like the House of Fools is his mates. Yeah. And, passing about. Yeah, to, and a bit like Slade at home. Yes, that's a life we'd have loved to have lived. That, imagining that, Slade, living together. Yeah. Do you know, like, with observation comedy and, like, uh, beautifully observed stuff, uh, you know, about families and stuff like that, I've always been more interested, yeah, but what if Noddy Holder was your dad? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't we, can we not do that story? So it's always kind of interested us more. I've been doing fishing show with Paul Whitehouse's teach, teaching me how to fish. And instantly, much more interesting than the fishing is the characters associated with it that you come across. You know, the stockbrokers out there getting away from their wife. Where do you drinking. go and do the fishing? Mainly Norfolk, North Norfolk. We stayed, like... Do you know, it's like if you get out and about a bit, if you do something, you know, which I don't do anymore. And I met... You you know, people whilst I was there that I would never talk to. Is the fishing thing a TV show? It's a TV show, yeah. I ain't here to plug it. No. Or anything, but it's for the BBC. Paul Whitehouse teaching me how to fish. That's great. Unbeknownst to me, I I had a heart bypass 18 months ago. Yeah. And I live just like in a family life. I don't go out and about much. Some of my old mates were quite worried about me and Paul kind of being Paul not the type of person who's going to phone up say you're a bit sad or a bit depressed Bob or whatever he phoned up and said would you like to come fishing you know that's a way of doing it isn't it yeah getting you out and about so that so that that journey started with with Paul you never actually had a heart attack I didn't I was very lucky I was caught just in time Um, yeah I was do you mind talking about this not in the slightest no Um, I'm a bit evangelical about it, you know it's for fellas in the 50s we're kind of aware of like with your prostate mm-hmm. or various things like get it checked get that checked get that checked you know whereas i think people feel a little bit like if it comes if it happens it happens like, you know like heart attacks and the heart health and so on but it's very easy to go and do the what they call the treadmill test mm-hmm. find out how your pipes are surrounding your heart and if they're fine by the time you're 50, then carry on as you were. And if not, do something about it. But I felt very, um, very happy after I'd had it. You feel very healthy. It gives you that big dose of reality in your mortality. Does help you arrange what's really important in your mind, you know? Mm-hmm. But did um, you find yourself dragged down by that awareness as uh, well? Afterwards. Yeah. No, I, don't, I wouldn't say so, no. Do you mm-hmm. mean like that's dragged down by the thought of, like... Just dwelling, t- like, ticking. like, oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, I do think about that. I'd I never thought about it before then. Mm-hmm. Now I think about it, and I think it's just little silly things I like. Say, for example, I really liked Roxy Music's first album. It's mm-hmm. a, a superb album. But it's just the way of things that, like, maybe I'll listen to it once a year or whatever, and you start having silly thoughts, oh, like, well, if I get to 70, I'm only going to hear that 11 more times. Shit. And it feels a bit sad, you know. Yeah, it, does, it's, it is in the back of your mind, where, and it was completely absent before I had the bypass. Now it's, it's, you know, I must get this done. Must be funnier. Must start being funny. <laughs> Come on, you've had 30 years. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, it does. It's like, it's almost one of those things you say, if you could get it for free, it would be great if everyone had it. Uh-huh. A big reminder. Little wake-up call. A little wake-up call, yeah. And the fishing thing is, is, is like, that's kind of what it's about, because Paul's had problems with his heart as well. So, yeah, it's reflecting on that very question, really. Mm. What does that change? Because your pa died when you were very young, right? yeah. Yeah. In a car crash. Car crash, yeah. So how old were you? Six or seven. Whoa, so you would have definitely remembered that. Ooh, it's, I have tiny memories. I've got, like, two or three memories of my dad, like watching the wrestling on Saturday afternoon and wrestling with him. Sadly, and not done for comic effect, is weird things. Like our toilet was downstairs at the bottom of the stairs... And I can remember him coming out of the toilet, having deposited, and me only being the same height as his ass, and being sick, because <laughs> I got a lung full, as it were. But what can I say? There's these tiny little snippets of memory, and that happens to be one of them. Um, yeah, and I, and I remember this odd atmosphere of being in the field, looking at my house, and there's police there, and we're just being told to get away. Losing a parent when you're that young, you can feel like it had no effect on you whatsoever. You know, none whatsoever. And then I think for a lot of people, there comes a point later in life when they realise it was actually the defining moment of your whole life was that loss. So, but those tiny memories, but like, yeah, even though I hardly remember him, I think there's, it's losing someone at that age and not understanding it and, you know, worrying about things being... You know, you can lose that, just like that. People can go. I think it has a big effect, you know. I don't suppose there's any ideal age for you to lose your parents. No. If you lose them young, maybe it's easier, but I think it still affects you very much. Everyone should consider the pear, the chestnut, and the plum because they do this miraculous thing The fibres in those three items are not digestible in the normal way. Your body borrows bad cholesterol to help it destroy the plum or the chestnut or the pear. Pears are powerful, but they don't shout about it really. I eat pears now and shit like that. What's the best present you ever got? Best present I ever got? One Christmas, I, when I maybe I was about 14, my present, my main present, was a blackhead steamer. What? You oh, OK. Your, you put your face in it to get rid of blackheads. That's yeah? a great present. So I'm on my bed looking at the field opposite me yeah. with the children all riding around on their new chopper bikes, whatever. <laughs> and on my bed, is a little steam unit for my blackheads. So LAUGHTER Still, that toughens you up. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was young, and then for the present was, I never forget this one. I think a presents is how lovely. I was so young that I believed in Santa. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely believed in him. What a wonderful thing! And like, and I came down in the morning, and my pile of presents. I don't really remember what was there for me, but I mean, my brothers. The brother, the little pair, my, the brother I was nearest to in age, he had a little drum kit. And I thought, well, I, wow, I want that drum kit so bad. And Santa put it there, and Santa ain't here now. So if I put that drum kit there on my pile... It'll be mine. ..who's to know? <laughs> <laughs> How did I that go know? down? Well, I, I can't quite remember that. I'm sure mum just said no. I think Santa meant it. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember it so well because it's like, maybe it was the first time I've been really, really naughty. Quite a naughty thing to, nasty, naughty thing to do that. I suppose so,
0: yeah. But, I mean, it,
2: most people have done something like that. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah. maybe it was my first big, big naughty.
0: Yeah. Maybe. I guess if you do something like that and then you get away with it, that can
2: start a pattern yeah maybe it was yeah. of thinking oh i can just take things yeah and then they'll be mine so it's interesting that i thought i was doing so you never went through a thieving phase very much so you did yeah very much thieving very much so yeah um we all did yeah i did yep you yep, have thieving stuff what sort of stuff would you steal I was. I started with the sweeties. I started with a carrot, actually. It is like a story like the, from the good old days. So I stole a carrot from Tapsters, the shop. You know when they have the display outside? Yeah. Stole a carrot. Just before I got home, a policeman got me, took me literally by my ear to my front door and said, la la la, this lad's nicked a carrot. So that was the start of it all, the tiny one. Then the sweets and so on. Then breaking into cigarette machines. An m- incredible technique. What was your technique? You might not remember, Adam, the, to cigarette machines, the old, when I was young, they had wooden drawers. Yeah. yeah. So you had to buy, the, your little gang had to buy one packet, yeah? Yeah. And then the drawer's sticking out, and you're meant to just push it back in for the next customer. Yeah? Uh-huh. We had, like, a little kind of Russian acrobatic shape that we could get in, let one leg on there, and you jump down on the drawer the drawer would smash come out and you could go, you know could pick them out one as they fell down the thing you know right so you'd have to dislodge the drawer you had to smash the drawer okay yeah. <laughs> so you and so you had to get a bit of height how it's... are you doing that in the pub or corner of the pub or whatever it was well details are sketchy now we used to do well I shouldn't say who I mean, god knows they, but they come after me now well, I, yeah, I wonder about that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a statute of limitations. I, one, I did a bottle of um, a barrel of beer once. It had been really snowing badly. And we went round the back of this place and nicked a barrel of beer and rolled it back to my garage, my mum's garage, to open Like it. a metal, that, barrel. Yeah, you know, metal barrel. Yeah, you a metal barrel. And of course, Adam, as you am sure you've already realised, there was what's called a trail to follow in the snow <laughs> as we drove the barrel. <laughs> so that we were caught quite quickly on that.
0: And so, was there a watershed moment when you thought, mm, maybe I should stop stealing things?
2: I think you just grow you it, just you? out of it, don't you? You know, you're almost just waiting to be caught, aren't you? Really, yeah. kind of thing. There's probably other thefts, Adam. Yeah.
0: But I was never.
2: I don't, don't please don't think I were like a pro. No. Part of a little gang.
0: No, but it's part. It's part of testing the boundaries of society, isn't it? For a lot of young people. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to grow into a hardened criminal.
2: No, it doesn't. You do, you know, like you smoke, that's one, you drink, you steal, just to get them things. Fornicate. Yeah, (laughs) if you get the chance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I sent you a list of things that were different when we were young.
2: I think I have that here. Some of the changes are just, yeah, time passes, phones get different. I don't just want to sound like an old fogey, but the one I used to hear a lot, and I think back to when I think of bringing my children up, the big difference was was kind of summed up by that children should be heard, not seen. Uh-huh. Um, seen and not heard. Seen and not heard, In yeah. In the old
0: days, it was they should be seen and not heard.
2: That's right, yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe there was a, a little guide there into the correct way to build up children. I don't feel that that should be a rule. But they, they, they had something, the indulgence that we give to our kids now yeah it doesn't feel quite right they knew something back then yeah 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 not quite sure it's not summed up by seen and not heard but are your children teenagers yes they're they're the nest they're 19 and 20 how was the nest
0: flying i mean that, that's the stage i'm not looking forward to i feel like it's going to be a wrench or was it are you just like
2: no it's like, it's, it's very rewarding and mm-hmm. it's very rewarding puts a big smile on your face when they phone up and they've done something that means nothing to them, really. Oh, yeah, I did this, I did that. And he put a big grin on your face thinking of your little lad beginning to have his own life, you know, or hers. It's really satisfying, yeah. And obvious thing to say, but when you see them a bit less, it means so much more. And uh, you see them changing and it's wonderful. Do they like what you do? surely it's the same for your dad's an embarrassment yeah especially in terms of being funny is the worst thing (laughs) so i i showed one of my sons the new fishing show Mm -hmm. and i looked behind me he was just covering his face with a cushion he literally couldn't watch it would you ever do a reality show would you be in one i get tempted because i enjoy them so much yeah the jungle and then you must brother. have got the call from the jungle surely not, not that I remember I haven't no did you watch Jim when he was in there I did but god that was tough you know Jim's for shy mm-hmm. you were people it's, it's a weird thing about being on the telly Jim's very shy so it's quite awkward when you meet him but your bloke off telly it's not shyness, it's, it's like standoffishness. Right. So I remember Jim came into the jungle, and he's not one for a hug, ha hi, hi. He's more one for just, yeah, all right. All uh. right. And i like, oh, Jim, go and say hello, go and be. <laughs> but Jim's Jim, you know, and uh, he was only in for a week, and he thoroughly enjoyed it, and loved it. Yeah. That. The jungle's because, I was a bit disappointed with this last stage because I'm tuning in, and all mm. I'm seeing is tasks, yeah and the big brother was a bit, it was getting more that way i used to like kind of more the manipulation <laughs> making things yeah. tricky well the classic series for
0: celebrity big brother was the one with george galloway and yeah. preston and
2: chantelle and do you yeah. remember that one yes wow <laughs> and it's great telly i think it's great telly i think so i, I think we think learn so. things from it you yeah. know I would watch that again if they repeated it. Yeah, and the John McCrillick one was very good. Oh, yeah. When uh, it turned out that he's only 11 years old. (laughs) (laughs) That's often the case, though, isn't it, with
0: people? You just think, well, George Galloway was the same. He's such a petty person
2: a lot of the time. You think, come on. Who's the best person you've met, Adam, over your years? Doing this? No, just just over the years. You just think, oh, he, he was great, that bloke. Oh, that lasts. Well, lots of people, I'm not good at thinking about Okay, no, I didn't mean to. I just, I, um, Who would you say? I would say, I, I don't know why it came to my mind. Is, he, is there a, a very famous actor called Christian Slater? Yeah. Christian Slater.
0: When did you meet him?
2: I did. Sorry, I'm not doing this by names dropping. I was no, just no, thinking, no, okay. like, because we're talking, like, I did a, a tiny, tiny bit in the film called Churchill the Hollywood Years. Oh, yeah. And he was Churchill in that. I'm not saying anything. You were a wonderful father because big star. Yeah. A wonderful father. He agreed um, to invest £250 with me because I've always, I've said this before, but I've always been convinced that the toilet should be reversed. <laughs> you know, that you should sit facing the cistern. <laughs> <laughs> like Christine Keeler. Yeah, yeah. That, yes, we could. In fact, you could call it the Keeler, couldn't you? And, like, and make use of the surface. That you would be, you know, instead of just looking at the back of a door. Yeah. You know, the you laptop, yeah. your know, like laptop, whatever. Or, and I remember he said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, let's do this." <laughs> but I just think, you know, it was, I was—I remember him very fondly. I'm
0: trying to think. Uh, I got on really well with an actor called Jason Fleming, while we were doing a film called Stardust. We had two weeks working on a green screen stage. And he was really nice. Like, I thought, wow, we're going to be pals. But then it was one of those things at the end of it, you know, you've got no real reason to stay in touch. you yeah, doing other yeah. things. But it was a really lovely, a, a fond memory of, a,
2: I look forward to seeing him every day. And he yeah. was really funny. No, that's a nice, like you get involved in like a project like that. It mm. is an interesting area that, that like you can like almost like fall in love with a bloke for two weeks. Yeah. Or like for three. That's just the most exciting thing. And then, it's gone yeah it's weird isn't it that's
0: one of the nice things about acting is that you do go and you you are surrounded by this group of people suddenly you've got a new little family of friends and it's a really intense relationship Mm. but then as you say yeah it just it just sort of evaporates
2: yeah and then you don't work no more because your time's (laughs) up in that sense and all you had was these things but they've gone I knew lots of, I knew all these people, but they're gone. You know, it ended when the thing ended. Yeah. It tends to happen.
0: Well, it's like old girlfriends, isn't it? I always think it's weird that you have a relationship that can be, like, it might be seven years or eight years. Mm. You're going out with someone, you're really in love with them. They're a really important part of your life. And then for whatever reason, doesn't work out. You move on, you know.
2: Yeah. But you're not, you're expected to just. Maybe they prefer traveling by bus. You yeah, by train. Exactly. And it comes to a head. They like the conference pair. You were very much a Williams person. Off they go. And you're just supposed
0: to... Like it's, especially if you have another relationship or you get married or whatever. You
2: can't just phone them up <laughs> and say, hey, I, I kind of still love you. Yeah, no, that wouldn't be right. <laughs> no, that's not cool. But the, you'll think about them from time to time. Yeah, so it lingers in that sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, you hope if it was, a, it, it, as long as what you broke up over wasn't too uh, cataclysmic or you didn't betray each other, Yeah, you hope you still think fondly of each other. But it's weird, it's, for practical purposes, you have to just put it away.
2: Yeah, it's forever. Hmm,
0: strange.
1: Oh wow, that's an amazing point. I considered that point till now. You're so deep and you made me think, and now I'm gonna change my life somehow. Thank you very much for your wonderful deep and amazing point. You're deep and amazing point. You're deep and amazing point.
0: One of the things on my list of things that were different when I was young, yeah, that I sent you was John Lydon being terrifying in the olden days. Did you find John Lyden terrifying?
2: No, I always found them a bit pantomime. Okay. I, th- I reckon. Were you Trying into, to be honest.
0: Were you into punk when it was all happening?
2: Yeah, I was. I, th- I was quite lucky. I was sixteen. You know, I was great. Oh, this so, was dog dirt times. Yeah, so it was great. The, I mean, the, the Damned and the Clash and yeah, blah blah blah. And did all you that. go to a lot of gigs? I did. Yeah, saw all of them. Did you? The Clash were the best to see. They right. were great. Reckless Eric were fun. I don't suppose he was punk, but he was good fun to go and see. But no, John Lennon, John Lin- I was, did think a bit panto. All the snarling and the gurning, yeah, it didn't feel quite real for me. Did it not? I, I not thought for I me, thought no. it. It seemed totally real to me. I was with him once, um, just chatting. He was a nice, well mannered chap. And then I said, right, can we go through now? So we went through to a room where there was this cameras clicking thing mm-hmm. and uh, just switched on Johnny Rotten. It's just it's so quick, She, you fuck off oh, I can't do the voice. Yeah. But just snarled at him, spat, did his turn. Right. And he okay. he went back. A lovely, mannered, nice fella. <laughs> to support your panto theory. Yeah. And so you saw the pistols as well, did you? I never saw the pistols. Yes. I never saw pistols. Was this weird I didn't like pistols. It's weird how you could get like that. Right people do that sort of thing don't i I really like um morrissey now Uh but i decided i heard them on you know my mates or living was was hanging around with would hear the smiths on um on john Peel, and i just made one of those decisions made in a second someone must have played me real around the fountain or somewhere. i said i hate them Mm -hmm. so i hated smiths (laughs) But you know what, you do. And I did that with, for some reason, the the pistols didn't do it for me. I've, I know you're very, very funny, means a lot to you, but I did that with Bowie. I decided I'm someone who doesn't like Bowie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really based on anything.
0: Yeah. I could never understand that because there were so many different aspects of him there was something for everyone that's the way I always thought of it but but of course for for some people you just think nah
2: I think it was maybe the chameleon the makeup and that they just found it a bit contrived Uh uh-huh not very authentic for me Mm. but it's music but the music yeah it's great exactly some of the lyrics not so much come on (laughs) what do you want well fashion move to the right fashion move to the left beep beep turn to the left turn to the right Beep, beep. Come on, it's brilliant.
0: <laughs> we are, that's not one of my favourite songs of his. And what do you listen to these days?
2: I, uh, sadly, nothing, really. I like prog rock. That's yeah. kind of my thing. But I don't listen to music now. There's no music on here. Do you I have no record player. Why not? You've just fallen out of the habit. Yeah, I think it is as simple as that. There isn't the occasion. I don't make that time for like... And I listen to the radio now or podcasts in my car, so... Yeah, that's
0: one strike against podcasts,
2: I would say, is that I'm the same. I've kind of
0: got out of the habit of listening to music. If I'm going to listen to something, I'll listen to people talking. Yeah. But on the occasions that I do remind myself, maybe I'm just sick of hearing people talking and I'll just put on some music. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like taking medicine or something. You suddenly feel Mm. energised... Medicine—it's nothing like taking
2: medicine. No, that feels a lot like taking pa- a particular sorts of medicine.
0: I suppose you just feel—you feel like your aches and pains falling away, and you just yeah. suddenly feel like, holy shit, this is—I feel brilliant. Mm. Why do I feel so happy and mm. light and carefree? Yeah. And it's because my brain is just being given over to this song. Mm to this music and something that I love or something that I'm interested in and I'm getting yeah. into. And it's like a, re- a real physical change
2: yeah. that happens. And it's just a gift, isn't it? You yeah. don't have to contribute anything to it. I it's wish just... I could
0: see more live music.
2: Yeah, I go, I go and see Baby Bird whenever he oh, really? occasionally does a concert. He, yeah. was, he was did one in St. Pancras Church the other week. It was, I actually tweeted him afterwards and said, that is the best gig I've seen since I saw The Clash on Hastings... Pier, many, many years. It'd be 78 or something like that. And I meant it. Yeah. Superb. And I'd try to go and see Lloyd Cole when he's knocking around. Yeah. Never miss a chance to see Squeeze. But I'm just showing my age here. But there's some bands that are so good live that you shouldn't miss it if they're knocking about. Did you watch the Whistle Test 30th anniversary thing the other day? I,
0: I didn't. I don't know. I had to watch it in sessions, i.e. whenever my wife went to bed. Yeah. I'd watch another half-hour chunk. Yeah. <laughs> And they had this guy, Albert Lee. I remember Albert Lee. (laughs) Holy shit. That's the best thing I've seen for years. Yeah, he was quite something. It's this guy. He looks like Father Time now, right? He's all white hair, like a scarecrow guy. yeah. And I tuned in while he was playing some like his big hit or something that, where he's picking really, really fast. Mm. Yeah. Oh my god! It was amazing. Yeah. And me and my wife, and my wife who is normally she's got a low tolerance. Does she like music? She does, but, but not, she doesn't that's a racket. Really not. Well, she just doesn't want to watch it on TV necessarily. Yeah. But even she was, we were just sat there going, holy shit, look at this fucking yeah. guy. Wonderful people knocking about. Yeah. And I want to see it, but it made me
2: think, oh my God,
0: I've got to see him
2: live. Because yeah. it was just the best thing. His band were great yeah. too. It's, I'm fiddling about my computer here. Something me and Jim, because we're writing at the moment. Mm. If we've got our, like, car, you know, it's not flowing or whatever, we listen to... We just search for bits of music we never heard of, don't know what this is. Let's click on it and see if it gives us the idea for a sketch. Yeah. For some reason, we remembered that there was a band called Kokomo. Am I allowed to play music on YouTube? Sure. Focus? So we said, oh, Do you remember a band called Kokomo? Co- so we're sitting there and we suddenly realized that this is a great song to mime badly, right? But cook a very simple dish, like <laughs> what we actually chose was fish cakes, instant mashed potato, and tin peas. Jim will mind the female; I mind the male, as we make a, a really cheap, affordable tea-time dish. <laughs> and that's about it. That just came up, so like, Coke, Do you, you, know, you know? He said, "Do you remember a band called Coco?" So we had a look. So we wrote into our script. The, um, a nice, simple meal sketch. Let's say it's interesting. Two blokes sat together 30 years on. What's the next idea then? You keep thinking there's going to be a come point. No, we've had our very last idea. Shit. Then nothing. And uh, when you customer. feel a bit like that, mm. put on some music. Yeah. Or we look at just something. Let's look at something really old. Old, you know, and it's. it's I'm just saying it really helps us to see something quirky in it, look at an old bit of the Bosnian parliament for, for two minutes, see what they're up to. Yeah. And there might be a bloke. Uh, Jim had a marvellous look for... A, are they called parodies? I don't We did a sort of like a version of first dates on our Christmas show. Yeah. And we came across this bloke, an old documentary, with a bloke who, I think he was claiming to have robbed a bank, but as you watched it, you thought, he's never... <laughs> <laughs> but he had this superb attitude and hairstyle. So we said, he's worth a sketch. And, and like I was talking about, so let's make it people comfortable, let's put him in first dates. Oh, right. And was so, that your character or? Um, that was Jim's character. Quite spectacular hairstyle <laughs> and sort of attitude. Yeah. You know, yeah, so I'm just saying, when you're getting towards the bottom of the barrel, we go to this, these computer things. Yeah. Look at stuff, you know? Because I suppose when you're younger and you're seeing more people and doing more things, the world gives you little ideas. But when you're just sat in a room in the countryside, you've got to get into that uh, laptop. And invite some people into your life that way, you know. What's your favourite clip to show people on YouTube? Um, do you know what, Adam? It's cats. Me and the wife can sit there for hours watching cats. Cats? Yeah. I can watch cats until I stop watching cats because I have to stop watching, you know. Have so you got a cat? I have two cats, yeah. There you go. uh, Good Munson and Mavis. Yeah. yeah, I like cats. That's the biggest thing in my life at the moment. <laughs> my love of cats. I was, like I went to Cats Protection the other week in um, some forest somewhere in Sussex and all their kennels and all these terribly sad tales. and I, I can get my head round that, you know, as a thing. Yeah. But that, like, if we could get that cat home, that would be really nice. Did one come back with you then? No, it didn't take, I would, my, my two cats <coughs> wouldn't um, have them. I, I, what I do is I name, I do cat names and we name them using my names at cat protection so you know they they can come and get a cat that's got my silly name attached to it
0: you're gifting names
2: yeah what kind of names have you gifted recently i think i did a doggy the other day and called it woofy goldberg nice for example so that's kind of fun yeah kind of
0: (laughs) it works either way works if you pronounce it woofy or woofy
2: yeah it does though doesn't it yeah (laughs) <laughs> Woofy Goldberg is very good. What did I do? I did. I, I, I just feel like I did. I was trying to do some for some pigs. Because yeah. there's pigs that need rehousing, you know, Adam. Sure. You're not thinking about them much. So I just did. I call them a tense Eric, <laughs> Kenny Carrots, Dirty Henry, <laughs> whatever. that kind of thing. Smiles McSpotty and all that. It's like um, twee, but it's fun.
1: And spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code buxton to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. Harry, restoring
0: Hey, welcome back, podcats. Or listeners, if you find the term podcats... To infantile bob mortimer there yay thank you so much to bob for giving up his time for traveling into london to meet me in the noisy office very nice to see him and get to talk to him at length hope it won't be the last time the webby internet award results were announced last tuesday as i speak the awards are based in america So I was surprised to be nominated, I must say, in the first place, in the Best Podcast Interview category, alongside NPR's Meet the Press podcast, Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Conversations, NPR's Sex, Death and Money podcast, hosted by Anna Sale, and WNYC's Here's the Thing podcast, hosted by Alec Baldwin. Now, there were two awards up for grabs in my category – One voted for by the Webby judging panel and another voted for online by the public. And the voting percentage tally, the live tally, was visible on the website up until 24 hours before the voting closed. And at that point, I was in second place with 34% of the public vote to Alex 36. Now, not wanting to be humiliated by the, the Baldies... I appealed on this podcast and on Twitter for a last-minute voting push, and the podcats responded with a unity of purpose. Not seen since Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. It was very moving. Well, some of you may know this already, but I didn't win anything. Sex, Death and Money won the judges' vote, which I thought that it would, and the Baldies overwhelmed the podcats to lift alec to the winner's podium i'm not sure by how much they overwhelmed the podcats the final numbers were not made public i can only assume that it was a fairly close thing but it was i will have to admit that i was a little bit crushed i knew i wasn't going to get the judges vote but i have to admit that being beaten by the baldies was difficult. It's a good podcast, if you've never heard it, here's the thing with Alec Baldwin. Great guests, Baldwin has a fine deep voice and terrific interview skills, but I don't think he needs another award. He's a film, he's a fucking film star. He's He's Alec Baldwin. I'm insecure, I need awards to feel good about myself and increase the chances of famous people replying to my emails, which at the end of the day is what it's all about, especially if you've got a podcast, right? What do you think, Rose? You're a privileged white male. You've got it easy. That's your award. Congratulations. Don't belittle my award sadness with your dismissive labelling. Anyway, Alec Baldwin is way more privileged and white and considerably more male than I'll ever be. So why does he get the award? Because he got more votes than you. And because he's done much more with his
1: life. Have you seen 30 Rock or SNL? It's so funny. <laughs> I'm thinking about it.
0: Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, have you seen that? It's a masterful performance. The Edge with Anthony Hopkins, that's one of your favourite films. You made me watch that twice. Yeah, well, I used to really like it. And I can't wait to see Boss Baby. Come and watch it tonight. The baby's like a tough businessman. It's very incongruous to hear a baby talking like a businessman. All right, Rosie, don't rub my face in it. I don't rub your face in all the stuff you do around the house. Look, I get it, okay? It's Alec Baldwin. He's Alec Baldwin. All I'm saying is that I am never, ever going to enter myself for an award ever again. <laughs> It's a baby, but he talks like a grown-up man. Boss baby. It's a boss baby. Like, look
1: who's talking, a family guy. I love that. Babies are talking, and they're cleverer than the grown-ups. Boss baby. (laughs) The baby's a boss. Oh, no, it's a boss baby.
0: (laughs) Stop saying boss baby. Did you hear what I said, the devastating news about me not entering any more awards? Yeah, no-one cares. If someone wants to give me an award, that's great. I'm just saying I'm not entering any more awards. Rosie? rosie where are you going don't look at me like that but look seriously seriously podcats thank you very much indeed for uh being so generous and loyal with your votes for the webbies we got close we got very close but hey winnings for losers that's my philosophy who wants to be a winner? Not buckles. It's much better on the sidelines. If I'd won that thing, it would have gone straight to my head. I would have been totally insufferable. And then you got nowhere to go as well, isn't it? I mean, that's not technically true, but still, that's what I'm telling myself. All right, that's pretty much it for this week. It's freezing. It's nearly May, and it's freezing. Rose, come on. Let's head back. thank you very much indeed to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for his production support as ever thanks Seamus, thank you Matt Lamont for additional conversation editing with Bottery, thanks Matt thank you to Acast for hosting this and other great podcasts and hooking me up with some wonderful sponsors and thanks most of all to you hey for your votes for your loyalty and for your persistence. You are the best of the best, the select few who listen right to the end of the podcast. You're a special type of person and I'm proud to know you. Should we hug? Come on, let's hug. Hey, we're going to be all right. (laughs) Oh man, it's cold. Okay. Till next time. Be careful out there. And remember, for what it's worth, I love you, bye!